podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. Despite an improved performance away to Brighton last weekend, the Reds headed out of the FA Cup courtesy of a late Matoma goal and with no midfield reinforcements arriving at Anfield over the January window, Klopp will have to make do with his squad and look to reinvent the Reds as they chase down an improbable top four finish this season. Next up, the Reds find themselves heading back to Molyneux again to take on recent FA Cup foes, Wolves, this time playing for three vital points. Joining me on the pod to share his insight on what's been a turbulent season for Wolves and the green shoots spotted since the arrival of Julian Lopetegui, I'm delighted to welcome on assistant editor for Mirror Football, Rich Jones. Welcome, Rich. Hi, Harry. Thanks for having me on. Ah, good to speak with you and uh, this, uh, this continuation of this uh, Wolves-Liverpool saga um, that's, uh, that's gone on despite you know, the clubs not having met in the league yet because of, because of postponements and things like that. Um, obviously, with the, with the FA Cup and the replay as well. Um, and then similar with Brighton, basically, in the league and then in the FA Cup as well. Uh, it has felt as though we're just basically going round and round in circles um, and sort of being made aware of uh, our deficiencies, to be honest. But um, it's, it's, it's good to speak with you and sort of get more of an insight into sort of how Wolves' season has been uh, has unfolded, really. Um, I want to just like cast your mind back a little bit to just the last season and finishing tenth in the league. Bruno Large's first season uh, in charge of of Wolves, obviously no longer in in position. But at the end of that season, I, I just want to understand really where your expectations were for how Wolves could kick on, where you saw the side lacking um, and sort of what you thought was needed to actually enable this side to to move forward. Yeah, I think the, well, it's been quite obvious for a while, the thing that we're lacking is goals. And um, yeah, obviously there was the, the injury to Raul Jimenez a couple of years back, which was um, the thing that sort of, well, he was always our main focal point in attack and, and the person responsible for, you know, so many of our goals. And then, there was a lot of hope that obviously he'd come back and, and maybe be the player he was and that hasn't quite happened. He's yeah. had a lot of injuries and niggles since then and I think all of last season we um we were just well, we were just lacking goals really, which wasn't a new problem, but it was something that we hoped that Bruno Large's appointment would would change. So um yeah, going into this season, um they sort of made some pretty bold decisions. They obviously let Connor Cody the club captain go out on loan to Everton and we spent big money on Nathan Collins from Burnley and it was all kind of geared up to moving from a back five that we'd had for so many years to a back four um, and I think the idea was that, that was going to get us some more freedom in attack and hopefully lead to more goals but unfortunately that hasn't really been the case um, obviously you know Jimenez has missed large parts of the season with injury um, we signed a striker on at the end of the window um, Sasa Kladzic from uh, Germany who you know, did his ACL 
20 minutes into his debut, so he's barely been seen. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah the Diego Costa signing hasn't really worked out as hoped. So, yeah, it's still just a shortage of goals. But I think there was a lot of optimism going into the season. But mm. we ended last season pretty poorly. It all sort of fizzled out a bit under Bruno Lager and that kind of just carried on into this season. And, um, yeah, it was a really poor start. So things looking up a little bit now. But, yeah, the optimism going into the year kind of quickly drained out a little bit, really, to be honest. Yeah, because it was an interesting one, I guess, from the outside in looking, and, and and when I'd spoken to sort of Wolves journalists in the in the past, I mean that that tactical switch that you mentioned there, of sort of moving away from a back three to a back four, um, had often come up in terms of you know what was that the thing that was holding Wolves back from maybe being a little bit um, less conservative and then looking to counter and actually being a bit more expansive and and then, and, and then the goals flowing from there. Obviously, you need the personnel to actually finish off the chances as well, which have been a, clearly been an issue over the past uh, past few season, seasons anyway. But I, I mean, I, I was quite impressed actually by what I saw um, from Bruno Large in terms of sort of how he how he'd seemed to set Wolves up. Um, certainly for that sort of large large portions of last season, I hear what you're saying about sort of the way in which it fizzled out and sort of the the, the hangover that seemed to come into this season as well. Um, again, with that lack of goal scoring threat, but it, it did seem like like Wolves under Bruno Large were a very well organised side and seemed to compete very well in, in in some of those games against some of the teams traditionally, I suppose, in the big in the in in in, in the top six certainly. Uh, and I mean whoever's been the manager, to be honest, I think whenever Liverpool have, have had to travel to Wolves, it's always been an incredibly unpleasant game, to be honest. I mean, there's been obviously sort of late goals and there's uh, some, some cult hero moments for Origi in here, uh, but uh, also like very unpleasant uh, contests that we've really had to sort of work hard to, and, and think hard to actually find our way through. I mean, in terms of Bruno Large, we won't dwell on him too long. Uh, too long, because obviously he was um, sacked in October, um, based upon sort of how results were going. Were you surprised at sort of the way in which he 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 wasn't able to do more with the team? Because it, it looked impressive when he first uh, sort of started in the job. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well. Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the way I always remember it is like the first three games of last season. I think we played, um, we were away at Leicester and then we had Tottenham and Man United at home. And I think all all three games we lost by a goal or two. Um, Yeah. We were sort of, we were kind of we were basically all over all three teams in all three games and we looked really really good I mean we had zero points from those three games but we looked so dangerous in attack we created lots of chances there was like a couple of things didn't quite go away and there's a lot even though we lost those three games there was so much excitement about the way we'd play with sort of the shackles off and a bit of attacking attacking flair and stuff like that and then it just seemed like the longer we 
had Bruno Lage was manager, the more the sort of cla- the players seemed to lose a bit of clarity, and it seemed to just all get a bit muddled. And the the further time went on, the less sort of identity there was about the way we played, really. Um, so it seemed, um, yeah, for whatever reason, he kind of didn't seem to really get the best out of the players, and you know, a lot of the players that we were looking at the first half of the season, maybe thinking like these aren't good signings, they haven't gone as well as we'd have hoped. A lot of them sort of seemed to look like they've had a bit of a new lease of life since um, since Julian Lopetegui came in. So I think, you know, looking at the likes of, for example, we signed Huang Hee Chan permanently and he looked really poor at times last season and at the start of this season. He's he's looked improved since we had the new manager come in. Um, I think the big one is, um, the big one is Matias Nunes, who obviously has been linked with Liverpool a lot. Um, he was a massive signing for us in the summer and then, for the first half of the season just didn't really seem to be playing in a role that suited him he was sort of he's someone who's great at carrying the ball through and, and advancing you up the pitch but he spent a lot of the time under Bruno Lage playing too far forward and he was just getting crowded out wasn't able to really have a huge impact and hmm. I think a lot of people were looking at him struggling to sort of they were seeing glimpses of the player that's been linked with the likes of you know yourselves Liverpool and Man City but they were struggling to really see the finished product whereas since the new manager's come in he's really you know, he's been in a position that suited him a lot more and he's been superb. So I think, um, yeah, a lot of the individual players didn't quite develop as we'd hoped under under Bruno Lager. And yeah, I think, to be honest, things are looking a lot more positive now with, with Julian Lopetegui in charge. Yeah, it was a weird one. I think, I think we'll definitely come back to talk about uh, Matthias Nunes in a bit more detail because, yeah. as, you, as you mentioned, he's just a, um, the name that keeps com- coming up. And actually, I think all, all of the stories around all these links to Liverpool do strike me as quite weird as well actually just in terms of sort of the way in which it's being talked about as though it was almost like pre-agreed or not it's, it's yeah. v- very strange but um, in, in, it, we'll, we'll speak about him and, and his influence but I, I did notice yeah when you were saying under Bruno Large um, uh, yeah the quirk of playing him uh, in a role that he hadn't really played um, and then uh, yeah. being su- uh, surprised when he wasn't necessarily setting the world on fire um, under Large Obviously, as he was trying to sort of find a way to to make walls more threatening uh, w- without necessarily sacrificing some of that defensive solidity that you'd seen in the past. I mean, what was his approach in terms of sort of how you were seeing him set the team up and sort of the the shape that walls were were in most games? Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of just like um, mostly sort of obviously in the back four and the full that meant the fullbacks weren't quite getting forward as much as they they would have done under under Nuno the manager before because you know the fullbacks in that system was a huge part of what we did in attack and sort of overloading on the sides and then it was just kind of um, yeah it was obviously you sort of three midfields and, and three in attack and. Yeah, I think Nunes was a bit more advanced and the key player's always been always has been Ruben Neves for us and that's still the case really. But um yeah, I think under Large it was just it was hard to really see a clear clear pattern to the way we were attacking, the way we were being set up really. It was um yeah, it was a tricky one. I mean, I, there wasn't really too much that you could go off to really see what was uh, what the plan was and I think that's the thing as well. We've got so many attacking players who interchange a lot we haven't really got a very settled front three um which can have pros and cons and yeah i think it's been a real struggle the last 18 months to sort of find anyone who really puts together a run of form um in that front three um which we've got so many different players that have come in and out and stuff like that but um yeah it was interesting though because um you know he made a big point when he was um 
when he was sacked, Bruno Lage in his post about how, you know, he didn't have the striker he wanted. He didn't have a central figure in attack. And obviously we signed um, Kladzik on deadline day or towards the end of the window in the summer and yeah. that didn't work out because of the injury. So, yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting to see. I think from from Bruno's point of view, he, he would argue that he, he didn't quite have the personnel he needed that last piece of the jigsaw. But, um, yeah, either way, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was tough to see what the sort of direction and, and the vision was. So fair to say, those sort of fans were like accepting of that decision. Sort of thought it was the correct one at, at the time, or did they have sort of sort of similar sympathies around? Well, yeah, he is he he is missing this this one key cog that we that we know the side lacks in terms of a an out and out striker to to replace the impact that Jimenez had. Yeah, I think by the end that most Wolves fans were pretty happy to see him go. To be honest, it yeah. just hadn't worked out for whatever reason. I think yeah. Um, especially now with the new appointment and, and how things are looking so far, I think it's looking like the right decision. So, uh, yeah, I think Wolves fans generally, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I think most of our speakers who were probably, probably pretty accepting of it and, yeah, appreciate that he came in and did a, a, a decent job last season. And it, But it just sort of seemed to have run its course, really. And, um, yeah, it was time for the change. Do you think, I mean, obviously sort of he was um, sacked after that West Ham game, but in, t- in terms of sort of there being a point for you where you thought, actually, this is this is not looking good. What, is there a particular game that you look back on and think, yeah, this this had all the hallmarks of all the issues, basically? Uh, I mean, the West Ham game that was the last game yeah. was probably a pretty good example of it. But um, yeah, it was a weird one, really, because I think it's... It sounds a really like it sounds a really arrogant thing to say from a Wolves fan, but like, I think especially with a lot of the signings we made, there was this thing at the start. See, obviously, we were in, we came, got promoted, and then we had a couple of finished seventh and eighth a couple of times, and then yeah. obviously even last season we were competing for Europe for most of the season, and then we made some big signings in the summer, and I think there was like a general feeling of like this squad's kind of too good to go down because there's a lot of talent in the team. Um, and yeah, Wolves fans aren't used to having a team with so many talented players in it. We're used to being in the past, you know, scrapping to stay up. So I think there was generally this sort of idea of like, yeah, we'll be fine. It'll all come together. We'll be fine. And then, yeah, I think as the season wore on, you kind of saw that, you know, actually there were a lot of real shortcomings and real problems. And yeah, that defeat to West Ham was probably, um, for me anyway, that was probably the moment you kind of sat and went, oh, we're in real, real trouble here. That or mm. we, um, we got well beaten at home to Leicester as well. That was a pretty, well, that was a pretty dismal result. But we kind of, you could make, we didn't play terribly. It was one of those where we had a few chances that we didn't score and Leicester put all those away. But yeah, I think um, that West Ham defeat was was pretty poor. And yeah, it was just one of a long line of performances early in the season where you just struggled to see where the goals and the results were coming from, really. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, especially considering sort of yeah the, the form that West Ham had shown, and uh, yes, similar with Leicester as well. I know that um, yeah they really really struggled at times and uh, not yeah. appeared to be the most well set up of sides. So when you see your side going uh, against Leicester, not yeah. not actually proving to be much better, that that, that does um, yes set off some alarm bells. You mentioned Nunes, and we'll speak about him. Um, a little bit later, but in terms of the other signings that were made in the summer, before we come on to talk about some of the signings that have just been made in the in the January uh, window, um, it was uh, Gonzalo Guedes comes in. Um, sort of surprised actually that he was still still twenty five. Feels like feels like there's been lots of sort of chatter about him and sort of his development, and uh, certainly at one point was considered to be sort of maybe the the next big. Um, 
uh, hope for Portugal in terms of sort of young prospects coming through. Uh, Nathan Collins, who you mentioned, uh, coming in and sort of helping to allow for that change to the to the back four. Um, and then making uh, Huang's uh, loan deal a, a, a permanent deal. Um, we'll, we'll leave out um, Sasa Kalajic just because of the injury, obviously. But in terms of the other signings there, um, Guedes, Collins and, and Huang, um, what have you made of, of them so far this season and, and how they're being used? I mean, first of all, by large, but now um, by uh, Lopetegui. Yeah, I think Collins has been a, a real plus. I mean, obviously it was a big fee, but um, he's you know he's only twenty one, and for a twenty one year old centre back to sort of lead the line the way he does is really impressive. Um, Max Kilman, our other centre back, was um, really good last season, and he was kind of, I guess, his form was a big reason of us being convinced we could go to a back four along with another centre back. But um, yeah, I think everyone kind of saw Kilman as this person who'd lead that, but Collins has come in; and he's a real sort of leader already. He's really vocal, really organises the back four. And he has sort of, he, he's quite a funny one to watch Nathan Collins because he always seems to have like a shaky moment every game. He'll always have one where he, he gets caught on the ball or he gives it away in a bad area. But generally, he's sort of rock solid. He heads everything away, kicks everything away. He's exactly what you sort of want from a, a centre-half that's, you know, when you're a team that's struggling. They had a really good game, I thought, against... Um, Against Liverpool in that replay, uh, in the first game, sorry, in the cup, and um, yeah, 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 I think he's been a he's been a good signing. I think yeah, he's already our, sort of probably our first name on the team sheet uh, at centre back, and he's been really good. Um, Huang, he had a really good run um, when he was on loan, which obviously convinced him to make it permanent. But he hasn't really been able to set the world alight since the loan spell. He hasn't had a goal for a while in the league. He scored obviously in the replay, uh, in the cup at Anfield, but. I just think it's um, he was one that he really sort of he had an injury not long after his loan spell and it took him a while to get back up to speed after that and then he just hasn't really had a clear role I don't think um, he was sort of I guess he was sacrificed because of our lack of striker at times and he was playing through the middle which I think didn't quite suit him in the Premier League but he sort of plays out wide a little bit as well it's a tricky one it's one of those he's obviously got some um, got some ability and he's He's really, you can never fault his effort. You know, he runs around a lot and he, he puts himself about, he really presses well, but he's just struggled to really find things that'll come off and he hasn't had a great run. But I think he's one of the players I mentioned that he's, he's looked a lot. He's looked like he's come, he had that, obviously he scored that goal late on in the World Cup, um, for South Korea and he's, he seems to have come back with a lot of confidence. He seems to have come back with far more, uh, far more confidence and, yeah, I think he's someone who I'll be looking to sort of kick on a little bit the second half of the season. Um, yeah, and then Guedes is one of those moves that just hasn't worked out. He actually went back to Benfica the other day on loan for the yeah. rest of the season. Um, yeah, he just, I don't know, for whatever reason, he just never really took to the Premier League. He never really seemed to fit in. It was one of those you'd see a lot of occasions where he'd sort of be making runs and teammates wouldn't find him and he'd look sort of quite frustrated. And yeah, mm. he just didn't work out for whatever reason which is a shame he was one of those as well he always seemed to um, he kind of seemed to have his better games against the better teams which was sort of a little quirk he, he, he had a good game in his first game against Tottenham away and he looked sort of fairly lively in a couple of the games against Liverpool and, and Chelsea I think it was but yeah he just most of the time Guedes just never really seemed to click and yeah I think it's probably best for both parties that he's gone to Benfica and I'm sure he'll have a He'll probably have a good end to the season over there, but yeah, one that didn't quite work out, which I suppose is inevitable with uh, 
with some of these signings. Yeah, and it's, it seems to be a frustrating one as well because obviously with the with the issues that Wolves have been going through over the past few seasons in terms of sort of missing that prolific figure in the final third, um, I was from what I saw, Guedes anyway, sort of like good movement, good runs, uh, and like maybe getting into good positions, but then actually that that final bit that the, <laughs> that the actual main thing that you you you're really after um, with a signing like that, he, he seemed to be struggling with as well. So that was yeah, must have been sort of doubly frustrating. And then looking moving into sort of this window, as you mentioned, obviously he's 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 headed back now, um, and, and the signings that have come in uh, in January. Um, Mario Lamina, who's coming as a defensive midfielder, obviously sort of people will be familiar with him, perhaps uh, from his time when he was uh, uh, at uh, Southampton and uh, was it Norwich as well? But I'm perhaps getting confused here. Um, Sarabia uh, from uh, from PSG. Um, uh, Craig Dawson has come in as well, uh, and the the biggest signing of the window being uh, uh, that of uh, Yao Gomez uh, from from. Le- Flamengo, so um, highly rated 21-year-old central midfielder. Um, again, I'm looking at those signings, and uh, again, I want to believe that with with Lopetegui and how he's got the side playing, there's there's a logic to those signings. Um, the, were you surprised by the positions that have been targeted there, or does that make sense based on sort of what you've seen already from Lopetegui? And we'll come on to talk about him and his his impact in a second. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. No, I think it makes a lot of sense, really. I think you can see the way, again, we sort of said, hey, you couldn't quite see the, you couldn't necessarily see how he wanted to set up, um, how Bruno Lage wanted to set up a lot of the time. Whereas I think the midfield's a lot more clear with Lopetegui. He wants to play with sort of a three. He's moved, um, he's moved, um, Chao Moutinho a little bit further forward, which has worked quite nicely because he's quite, he's quite adapted sort of playing in tight spaces and little windows. And then you've got sort of Ruben Neves in the sort of, deep line kind of quarterback role I guess and then Mateus Nunes sort of a bit closer to him and further back who's sort of really carrying the ball up the field and I think um yeah we we needed a bit more depth in midfield we signed um Boubacar Traore in the uh, summer on loan who's been a really good uh good signing they've just made that one permanent from Mets and he looks um he looks really promising but he just picked up an injury so he's out for a couple of months um so I think we just needed a bit more um we'd need a few more bodies in midfield I think um Lamina is probably not the most kind of eye-catching or spectacular signing, but with Gian Moutinho, he's been an unbelievable player for us, just getting a bit older. He's kind of, he struggles to play maybe two games a week or, you know, a full 90 minutes. I think Lamina is a really good body to have in there who can, you know, slot in 
quite seamlessly, hopefully, and, you know, do a job in the midfield. I think the first choice midfield will still be sort of, for the time being, it'll be Neves, Nunes and Moutinho, but, you know, Lamina can come in and rotate and, you know, slot in there. Um, the Jao Gomez sign is really exciting, but I think it probably um, is an indicator of the fact that, you know, Neves is likely to move on in the mm. summer finally um Neves or Nunes um which I'm sure we'll come on to but yeah I think that one's probably one for the future and sort of an indicator of the fact that we're going to need another midfielder from the summer and we're just getting that one done early um although it'll be interesting to see how he adapts the rest of this season Gomez and how he does and then um yeah I think Craig Dawson's a uh a really good signing to be honest I think he's the sort of player that um, will fit in pretty well, especially in a we are in a relegation scrap. So to have him to come in, I think he's a good experienced head to have in having defence and um yeah, sort of compete with um Collins and Kilman. Um yeah, I think he'll he'll be a shrewd signing. Um and then Sarabia as well is one that I'm really pleased with. I think um you know we on one hand he's the sort of player we've got a lot of in terms of we've got a lot of um we've got a lot of players who are sort of flexible attackers that I would describe them like Daniel Pedence and Guedes before he went on loan but I think Sarabia you look at sort of his experience and the numbers he's put up in terms of like goals and assists I think he'll have a big part to play because I feel we've got a lot of attackers who kind of they score a few goals they create a few goals but they're not prolific at sort of setting things up or scoring they kind of they all have their moments whereas Sarabia is someone who's got a lot of experience I think he's um you know, he's been involved in creating a lot of goals the last few years. And I, yeah, I just think he'll be a really good fit, to be honest. I think he'll, um, he'll be someone that'll hopefully fit in well under Lopetegui. And, um, yeah, I think hopefully be a bit of an upgrade for us and just give us a bit more cutting edge in the final third, hopefully. But yeah, I think from Wolves' perspective, um, yeah, pretty pleased with the window. I don't think we could have asked for much more. And in, in terms of the, the appointment of, of Lopetegui, obviously people will probably be familiar with him in terms of sort of the, the most chaotic period of his career, uh, obviously when he was, um, uh, national team coach of, of Spain, uh, only to get tapped up by, by Real Madrid and, uh, unsettled what days before the tournament and having to sort of resign from that. And then obviously things didn't, uh, pan out well for him at, at Real Madrid, despite him clearly being a talented coach. He's, he's sort of been rebuilding his reputation since then, um, and has, uh, I say just, just been just been quietly going about his work to be honest as a, as a good coach as you'd imagine he is anyway um, to to restore that reputation. Uh, what was your opinion on that appointment when it was made, uh, and in terms of sort of the impact he's made and um, maybe performances in particular that, that that you point to that showcase or how you'd like to have Wolves playing? Um, yeah, what 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 have your thoughts been on him? Uh, well, it's a long time coming because he was. Um... He was based just before he got the Spain job. He was pretty much, he was all set to take over at Wolves, mm. um, in 2016. And then that never happened because the Spain job came up. Um, so, and then there's been a few times he's been linked. And obviously it looked like we'd missed out on him, uh, in November when we first dismissed Bruno Lage and he, yeah. um, he turned it down because of his father being ill. Um, and then eventually we sort of got our man. So I think it's one of them that, you know, he's been linked with Wolves for so long that, you know, it's nice to finally have him in charge because I think, um, it's always been one that the ownership have been looking for uh, and looking for him to be in charge. Um, yeah, in terms of performances, I think um, they've been hot and cold, to be honest, but I feel like he's. Um, there's been a few games where he, he seems to have got his 
his changes right, which is always promising. It's always good to see when um, when a manager makes the right changes um, to get a result. Um, yeah, I thought you know his first Premier League game in charge, where we went one nil down at Everton and and came back to win it late on, was really encouraging. Just in terms of the character of the team, and then um, yeah, for me, I think the performance that was most pleasing was we. Um, we played against Aston Villa at the start of January and we uh, went 1-0 up early on. But we, the first half of that game, we played really, really well. Uh, the second half wasn't great, but I thought the first half was kind of a perfect um, perfect look at how we wanted to be. We were really sort of overrunning them. We were playing on the front foot, um, you know, causing problems in and around the box. Um, Daniel Pudent scored a really nice goal and we missed a couple of other chances. I mean, Villa came back into the game and you're always going to have swings and roundabouts at this level. But I thought that was a good example of how he wants us to play. And then obviously the um, obviously the performance at Anfield in the uh, in the cup when we made a few changes was um, was really pleasing as well. That was a game I think we well could probably should have won. Um, but yeah, that was an encouraging one as well. So I think to be honest, we're still waiting for us to string together a full ninety minutes. Uh, since the new manager came in, um, we've had a few sort of blips and we went to sort of Forest in the Cup, uh, the Carabao Cup quarterfinal and we went 1-0 down and we were absolutely terrible first half. Um, but then we got, we made a few changes at the break and that's the encouraging thing is that made changes and looked a lot better in the second half. Um, unfortunately, lost that one on penalties, but I think it's always nice to see that, you know, there's been a few occasions already where he's maybe not got the selection right initially, but he's been able to sort of tweak it and make the changes at the right time that help us finish stronger. So I think it's always a good sign tactically. But um, yeah, I think there's been some encouraging performances. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can build on those. We've got, you know, we've got obviously a tough game against against Liverpool at the weekend, but then we've got a really big run of Southampton away, Bournemouth at home and Fulham away, which will be I was gonna say, huge yeah. for our season. So um, yeah, hopefully we can get something uh get some confidence going into those and uh, yeah, sort of really start to see what, what he's been working on. And I think he benefited a lot from having that World Cup break as well hmm. um, just because he came in just before that and it meant he had a sort of month or so to just work on the training ground with the team and we didn't have too many players at the World Cup after the form we were in the first half of the season. So yeah, I think that's been a benefit from uh, benefit from his point of view and yeah, looking a bit more positive now. No, certainly. I think I've been impressed since he's come in and the impact that he's made. Uh, The side has more clarity to, as you were saying, into the sort of the approach he's going for. Um, I I suppose that that, that, that's only shone a light on sort of um, the areas where you think he'll he'll next move to try and improve the squad. Um, I mean, one transfer window is just just finished, so I'm not immediately thinking about the next uh, the next one already. But j- j- I'm just thinking about that position of a striker. Obviously, as you mentioned, Jimenez hasn't really come back to the the same heights that he had pre uh, pre injury. Um, what what kind of profile of striker do you think that Lopetegui is actually going to be ending up pursuing? I mean, like, wh- is it is it a striker in a similar mold to Jimenez that you think would be the best for? four Wolves or do you think actually there's perhaps going to be a, uh, maybe a different profile of striker pursued in the end? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, we've signed, um, again, it's another one that's not really an out-and-out striker, but we've uh, we signed Matthias Cunha on loan from Athletic Madrid, yeah, uh, who I think he looks like a different type of striker. He kind of, yeah, he plays off the last man and he, he gets in behind and he looks really lively so far, but whether he can be the sort of player that can get you sort of 15 goals a season, 20 goals a season. I'm not quite sure. Um, 
I do think someone like Jimenez is a um, Jimenez. You know, we look. I always say, even though he hasn't been great the last year, we, we kind of look a better side when Jimenez plays, just because he um, he comes in deep to get the ball and he, he gets people involved and he kind of makes those around him look better at times. So. Um, I think that's the sort of profile you think of, but it's hard to say to be honest. It's been it's been so long since we were playing with a uh, with a real sort of yeah. out and out striker that you kind of just used to the way it looks at the moment. So um, oh. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. And I think that's just the problem is it's so hard to go and get a a sort of guaranteed goal scorer striker, especially with the way the transfer market is at the moment. I mean, we've been through so many now that have been players that we thought might be sort of the solution obviously Costa on a free transfer we had sort of William Jose came on loan when Jimenez got injured we've had sort of various others that have been in and it's a tricky it's mm. I think it's the hardest position to try and get right so um, Fabio Silva wasn't he for a little bit as well yeah I mean I think there's still some hope with him um, he's so young he's yeah. still young and he's he had a good start to the season at, at Anderlecht and he's gone to PSV now so Hopefully he can sort of go and get some confidence and some goals and, and come back and sort of stake his claim. But yeah, I think um, I think it'll be interesting to see just how um, I think we're still sort of trying to feel out how Lopetegui sees the team lining up. And yeah, I think seeing what Cunha does will be uh, will be very interesting the rest of the season in that regard. And it's I suppose it's an interesting one then on the weekend. Obviously, uh, you mentioned it sort of being a tough a tough game, and but. Clearly, Liverpool are in a sort of a um, much different phase than they were um, this time last season. Especially, I think it's probably an understatement to say that um, yeah. uh, they've uh, looked really vulnerable um, to transition all season. Um, the, I, I think uh, a lot of Liverpool fans were pretty pretty staggered that there was um, no moves made whatsoever in in January to try and help that midfield. Um, but it does look as though. A lot of eggs uh, are being placed in one particular um, uh, Dortmund basket, but w- whether or not that actually comes to to fruition is uh, is another thing. Against uh, Wolves, I mean, I, I thought what was interesting was actually how in that replay uh, that was the first time actually that we'd seen Klopp line up with a a, a different midfield unit basically in response to how just how poor. Some of the performances have been with the, um, some of the senior players. Uh, Henderson's been struggling, uh, quite badly now for about a year. Fabinho seemed to, seems to have fallen off a cliff in the past six months. Uh, and so he went with, um, Bacetich, who's obviously a kid, uh, Naby Keita and, and Thiago. Sort of a different kind of midfield, much more focused on being compact and, uh, pre- preventing those opportunities for, for easy counters or people just running straight through the midfield. Um, Still, that game was a very much a scrap, right? Obviously, sort of Elliot scoring that goal, but didn't look necessarily look the most convincing. Uh, looked a little bit blunt ourselves with um, with, with Nunes being out. Um, just given where Liverpool are, uh, uh, I mean, h- how do you expect uh, Lopetegui to to approach this one? I mean, he's, he's had two practice rounds, I guess, <laughs> in terms of sort of seeing the yeah. different ways in which Liverpool can line up, and he saw that new that sort of tweak that Klopp had made for the replay. I mean. You mentioned the games that come afterwards and how those are going to be incredibly important. Is there a sense that this game could be just one where you 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 go for it a little bit more because there is perhaps less to lose? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want 
whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's kind of, um, yeah, obviously being at home and I think after everything that happened the last time we played Liverpool in the Cup, um, I think, you know, the crowd will be really up for it. I think the atmosphere will be good. Um, The atmosphere is, you know, it's not been, to be honest, it's been pretty sort of flat the last couple of years since COVID and with the fact we haven't been giving the most exciting football to the to the fans. So, um, but there is a bit more, you know, the last few games, it's been a lot more lively and, you know, it did fit, especially after the, the sort of VAR controversy, it'll be a bit like us against the world type thing. Mm. So I'm sure it'll be lively and um, hopefully that'll sort of galvanise the players a bit. Yeah. Um, you see the, yeah. you say VAR controversy as well. I mean, that, it was just, that was a perfectly fine goal, right? <laughs> nothing, like, I'm, I'm happy to admit that, like, it was a very clear, um, yeah, oh, the camera doesn't uh, have the angle yeah. for that. That's kind of an issue. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I just think that, um, to be honest, I feel like from our point of view, the way for both those games went, I think we, the first game at Anfield was um, obviously a bit more open, a bit more chaotic, but, you know, we we played pretty well. We were pretty pleased with that. And I thought that, you know, obviously it's a tricky one because you were obviously one goal ahead after that early goal from Elliot. But I don't know, what we didn't have much cutting edge, which is always the issue, but we kind of controlled a lot of the game and we, we didn't really look under too much threat from Liverpool on the counter-attack and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be obviously different teams and stuff like that. But I think Wolves will have some confidence going up against Liverpool after the way the last couple of games went. And, um, yeah, hopefully we just sort of let the handbrake off a bit and, and go for it and see what happens. Because, you know, you're not really... They're the sort of games that you don't look at at the start of the season and expect to pick up too much from. And I think we've seen with Liverpool at the minute as well that if you can really sort of get into them and try and overrun them a bit that you've got a bit of a chance especially with um, the injuries you've got in defence now mm. as well hopefully we can just cause a few problems for the defenders that are having to play the centre-backs and yeah we'll see what happens yeah Canate has certainly been um, uh, yeah. sticking things together in recent in recent weeks and so the fact that he's gone uh, as well I, th- I think it'd probably be Matip and uh, and Gomez but yeah the, the changing hasn't helped there certainly I think um, yeah people are looking to sort of see see when Van Dyke is um, supposed to be coming back um, but uh no, I think it's certainly going to be an interesting one, as you mentioned. Sort of those, those, both those games in the FA Cup, different kind of lineups, different kind of approaches. So, sort of, I think this one will be, will be different as well. I think probably a lot of Liverpool fans are looking at this one just to see whether that midfield gets picked again. To be honest, because I think uh, um, the the most recent game we saw against Brighton, 
that midfield uh, that started in the replay with the Bacetich, Cater and Tiago played for about 60 minutes. Uh, then we started switching some players in that midfield and suddenly looked very, very open. And, and then Brighton battered us for, for the last for the last yeah. 20 minutes um, and eventually got their goal. So it, it, it genuinely does seem to be the situation at the moment that there are only certain players we can actually afford to play in midfield uh, unless we want to make the game a basketball game. So, yeah, we'll see we'll, we'll see what he does uh, this, um, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I think Bashitich looked really good in that replay, didn't he? And I think mm. that's the thing. Wolves are kind of... Wolves tend to be at their best. It all sort of stems back from the, the Nuno days where we used to just hit teams on the right. counter-attack. But we sort of... I think we are at our best when we're kind of able to open the game a bit and hit teams on the break. It's just when is when we're trying to break down a sort of low block or we're trying to break teams down that we've always really struggled. So I think, yeah, yeah from a Liverpool point of view, if you can kind of stop Nunes from being able to carry the ball forward or stop Neves from getting the quick pass on the break, then, mm. yeah, it, so, it certainly makes it a lot harder to, a lot easier to defend against us. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the game looks like. And, uh, yeah, be interesting. I think he, if I was, from a Liverpool perspective, he was really good in that replay, so... I think he'd have a big part to play if he plays again. But yeah, we'll see see how, uh, see how both managers decide to pick their teams, I guess. Who batted you, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's an interesting one. Obviously, he's just 18 years old. Um, but um, I'm guessing, yeah, uh, being a Spanish midfielder of, of that profile, training with... Um, uh, Tiago, yeah, can't be can't be the worst sort of education, I suppose. So yeah, hopefully he picks up as much as possible from that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's I think fans are probably a little, a little bit concerned about how much or how many miles an eighteen year old can go through um, in yeah. their in their first season. So we'll have, we'll have to see, I suppose. But um, yeah, with Gakpo as well coming into that game, I think he's yeah, he seems to be trying to be being molded into this Firmino role. So yeah, it should be interesting to see if 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 uh, Darwin Nunez actually. Um, Starts actually for this game, or whether he's a he's a, he's an impact sub again. But um, on the subject of Nunez, then uh, I suppose we've yeah we've, we've left it to the end, but should sort of speak about it a little bit. Uh, my understanding of it, and you can tell me if this is completely wrong based on, on your understanding of it, is this is a player who's already been linked with Liverpool, was linked with Liverpool prior to signing for Wolves, uh, signed for Wolves, and then. The, th- the most recent stories I'd seen was that there's some sort of agreement or sort of unspoken agreement in place that, um, he's, yeah, he's, he's perhaps set to, set to move on or you know, that's already been discussed, for example, at the end of the season. Um, one of the strangest sort of deals, if that does happen, I can, I can think about. I mean, what, what, what's your understanding of sort of this, of this New Year's deal? Cause obviously a, Great player, real, real talent. You, you don't want to lose him, but there seems to be a strange, strange sort of sense of um, inevitability, or certainly in the way in which uh, the the article in the Telegraph painted it. Yeah, I think it's clear that he took some convincing to come to Wolves in the first place, and I think it's obviously very much been sold as hmm. um, sold as kind of a stepping stone to get into the Premier League and to sort of put himself in the shop window, playing in the Premier League every week. Um, that's not to say that he's played like it's a it's a stepping stone. He's sort of you know he's you can't fault his effort and then his attitude since he's come in, um, which is great. But I think you know if we're being honest, it's the sort of player that you know he's quite young. He's been linked with a lot of a lot of big clubs. I think it's obvious that it, the idea is for if he sort of does well for us, then he'll be able to move on to a bigger club, mm. and that'll probably suit all parties because we've got him on sort of a long term uh, long term contract. So 
ultimately if he does do really well and someone wants to sign him then they'll be able to you know we'll be able to command a good fee we'll make a profit he'll get a bigger move um i don't think there's anything sort of hugely concrete that is clearly a lot of interest but i think it seems to me that he's kind of he's here at the moment there's some interest and balls know and have always known that there's a chance that you know if he does well there'll be teams that will sort of snap snap him up in the summer um but yeah i think that's um that's clearly sort of the way it is. And yeah, Liverpool are obviously mm. one of those clubs that seem to be interested in him, but he's a sort of, he's a great player to watch. I think he's, um, I was going to ask, yeah, in terms of sort of what, yeah. he's, what he's offered once he's been put, put back in this position, what, what sort of player is he in your, in your, I just think he always, he, he, he has, he sort of, he just has flashes in the game where you can just see how much quality he's got. You can sort of pass in the ball in tight space with a couple of players around him. And he always seems to find a way to sort of come out with the ball and, with space in front of him and yeah he can really carry the ball well from deep and um yeah he's a really good all-round midfielder to be honest but he's you know he's just really good at sort of carrying the ball through which I think is what Wolves have needed for a long time um we obviously had so much success with Neves and Moutinho in midfield as a two and stuff like that but we've always sort of lacked someone that can really carry the ball from deep with the ball at their feet and run with the ball so um yeah I think he's sort of been a different type of player and being able to play a bit deeper, he's been really good at sort of you giving the ball in a tight space deep in midfield and he either sort of plays the ball out or he can, you know, turn himself and, and carry forward. So, yeah, he's he's one of those players, to be honest. I think he's, obviously, we've had a lot of really talented players at Wolves the last few years, but he, he's one of those that does things that, you know, not many players can do. He's really, you know, really talented player. You can see that he's one of the most talented that, Probably one of the most talented players I've seen at Wolves. Well, mm. definitely one of the most talented. So, yeah, I think um, we're starting to see that more, more and more consistently in this role that he's playing under Lopetegui. And yeah, to be honest, if he carries on playing that well the rest of the season, then I'm sure there'll be clubs sniffing around. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens and uh, see where he ends up. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, another particularly strong performance on the weekend as well. I mean, I think he's, he was. He, Certainly impressed in the first leg when he came on as an impact sub. Thought he really helped to sort of change yeah. the game in combination with Huang as well. But um, okay, then just just in terms of sort of wrapping up, then in in terms of your expectations for for the remainder of the season, sort of things looking more positive now that Lopetegui's come in, some new signings that will help him sort of establish the way in which he's he's, he's looking to get Wolves line up. I mean, where do you think fans' heads are at at the moment in terms of as you, you say, you know, obviously in this relegation? battle um but things looking i I'd, I'd say looking more optimistic than they were certainly a few weeks ago i mean what where's your head at in terms of sort of expectations for the remainder of the season uh i think generally most fans well obviously i think the idea of i think it's all about just staying up at this point i think hopefully we can just manage to sort of get ourselves out of trouble avoid being in a real scrap and then um then it'll be a chance to sort of reset, get a pre-season and sort of mm. look to climb the table again next year. I think that's the way most people are looking at it. Because um, it's all quite the tight down there, isn't it? And, and yeah, just looking at really the points, tight. like a few wins really does take you away from that. Yeah, and I do think, I mean, you can never be too optimistic as a Wolves fan. We've learned that over <laughs> the years. But I do think that we should have enough to sort of drag ourselves out of it a little bit. And I think there's certainly going to be worse teams down there. Um I just, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I think hopefully we'll be able to, um, you know, finish a few few points clear of the drop zone and then it'll be all about sort of looking to next year and having that building block to really kick on and start fresh, um, a fresh next season, really, because this season we were sort of starting the year after finishing 10th, kind of looking upwards, and then we've 
let ourselves get dragged down into it. So hopefully if we can just finish this year on a high, then we can go into next year with a bit of momentum and, and see what we can do with a, a full season with uh, with Lopetegui in charge. But yeah, it's going to be tough. Obviously, there's a lot of tough games and form kind of goes out the window a little bit sometimes in these relegation battles. But yeah, I do think with the business we've done in January and the new manager, we should have enough to drag ourselves out of it sort of relatively comfortably. So that's where I sort of feel about it. But you know, can't take too much for granted. And yeah, hopefully if we can uh, get through the Liverpool game, we can have a decent run to give ourselves a bit of a bit of breathing space. That would be the ideal scenario, I think. Yeah, no, personally, I, yeah, I'm I, I'm of the opinion that uh, I I I fully sort of see Wolves finishing comfortably, like mid table, to be honest. But perhaps I'm perhaps I'm saying too much. Hopefully, <laughs> at this stage. But yeah, it looks looks like the the right ingredients are there for sure. But anyway, Rich, thanks thanks so much for coming on and just giving us your your perspective on sort of the the journey Wolves have been on under obviously sort of first of all large, but now under Lopetegui, um, the I, I do hope to have you back on where we can talk about a, um, a striker being signed uh, and sort yeah. of like the actual, the, the final missing piece added to the team as well. But um, no, yeah, I think um looking forward to seeing how the, how the side develop for the rest of the season. But thanks again for, for, for coming on. No worries. Cheers for having me on. Uh, and just as we're wrapping up here as well, um, thanks to all those who've been listening to, uh, to, to Rival Recon here, um, on, on FL Index Pro. As you all know, games, uh, there's a little bit of a gap between the, the Wolves game and our next one, but, uh, the next episode will be ahead of, uh, the, the Merseyside Derby on February 13th. Um, Everton, you know, clearly in, you know, pretty abysmal form uh, or, or had been uh, but now with the return of of Deitch Liverpool fan Deitch I feel like I need to um, reiterate that um, just what kind of horrible game do we have in store on, on, on February 13th we'll just have to wait and see I suppose but there will be an episode um, ahead of that game but between now and then do check out all the other great content I know on Anfield Next Pro uh, but we'll be back with another episode of Rival Recon ahead of the Merseyside Derby We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.